the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Ourgasm. This is the podcast where we talk about decolonizing sexuality and gender. I am Lindsay G. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. And unfortunately, my co-host Lenny is not able to join us this week for this episode because she is very busy doing hot girl shit, as I'm sure you're all aware. <laughs> and this week, I'm so excited to be joined by Gaia Morissette. Gaia, can you tell us your pronouns and a little bit about you? I am she and her. I am a holistic sexual wellness specialist, a BDSM expert, a trauma recovery specialist, and um, a high priestess of divine sexual magic and elemental magics. Amazing. (laughs) That is a great (laughs) list of titles. My God. Uh, So this week, we are going to talk about the cult of marriage, which is something that Gaia has been experimenting with. But before we dive into that huge and awesome topic, I have a little disclaimer to read. In this podcast, we use the heteronormative terms of the gender binary, men and women, under the understanding that there are agender, androgynous, bigender, pangender, and gender fluid norms that exist outside of cisnormativity. While we tend to use male and female as shorthand, this is not meant to undermine the very serious role of colonization and violence against the two-spirit and non-conforming individuals. Even more so, this is not meant to obscure the reality that two-spirit and non-conforming people are the most likely to experience sexual violence, as we have mentioned in earlier episodes. We do not believe in the gender binary without fluidity, which is a Euro-Western construct that forced a strict gender division on our societies, which itself is a form of violence. So with that out of the way, it is time for us to talk about the cult of marriage with Gaia Morissette. So so Gaia, okay. I know that you are conducting an experiment. I in am. marriage is, is how I understand <laughs> it. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what, what this experiment is and how it came about? Um, so a little bit of background. I'm uh, ethically non-monogamous, uh, pansexual. Oh. I, I don't follow any of the norms of society that (laughs) yes the the, the, the role that I play in the world is to kind of break break the rules if there's a rule I'm kind of like there to break it (laughs) however um during this pandemic that we've been in um you know looking at you know getting doing all of my grown-uping stuff of like (laughs) wills and estates and logistical stuff um, having a conversation with my primary partner, who's a little older than me. And he, he was like, okay, so like, when I die, I want to make sure that you get all this stuff. And oh. so I'm like, okay, well, let's go to the lawyer and see how do we make that happen. And so I went to the lawyer to try to find a loophole around not having to get married, actually, because I didn't want to be legally <laughs> married. I've never been legally married. And I was never it was on my it was not on my to do list. It was yeah, the opposite. Absolutely. For me. Lenny and I are both against marriage also, just so that you know, like, uh, you're you're in good company here on the <laughs> podcast. I totally get it. 
So we went to, so I went to the, the lawyer three times to try to find a loophole and there were no loopholes that oh. the only way to get these things is if I got legally married so that I uh, got marriage privilege. Wow. Not even like a common law marriage or. Well, the problem like that? is, is that a common law, there's certain laws, like there's certain things, privileges that you get for common law, but if your part, so you have to live with your partner. So that's a forced right. living arrangement. So you still would have to live with your partner for a prolonged period of time before it's even recognized in the event of death that um, there's a lot of things that won't be recognized. The hospital doesn't necessarily recognize mm -hmm. that that is your lead. So family members could over veto your common law person. Like there's all these things that could happen, even okay. if you put it in your will, that these were your huh. wishes um, oh. that could basically happen. Going to the bank became more, would become more complicated versus if we were legally married, it's simple, easy. I, here's my little certificate saying that I'm legally married. Okay, I get everything that I want to get and it's super easy. And so the, huh. key, the thing is, is that if you're not legally married, you don't get those privileges. Then there's also privileges around um, health benefits and right. medical and death benefits and taxes. And so there's a long list of marriage privilege that you only get if you're married yeah wow I, that's that's interesting to hear too because I guess like little disclaimer here I am in the United States and, and Gaia in is in Canada so while like there's a lot of things that are the same you know there's a lot of probably probably smaller things that are not but it's interesting to hear that Canada is just as hardcore about marriage <laughs> as America so I just, so from that perspective, so we were like, okay, well, like, let's just do that then. Let's just, let's just sign the documents and, you know, and then we don't even need to tell anybody, like, no one needs to know that anything's changing, <laughs> like, it's be our secret. So I started talking to people close to me about that I was getting married and, immediately weird shit started to happen. And this is when I started, to, I didn't know that there was a cult until this started to happen. So first of all, I have a harem of lovers being ethically non-monogamous. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to, I didn't think it was going to be an issue, but apparently it is an issue. So I oh. told my lovers that I was getting married and they're like, well, then things need to end. And I'm like, what do you mean things need to end? They're like, well, huh. I'm like, what do you mean? You, you, I, I'm still having sex with you and my partner and all the people that's in the harem. Like that's, that's <laughs> nothing has changed. Like you still send me naughty pictures and we can still have sex and it's all good. Like nothing has changed. Yeah. All of a sudden, because I became a married woman, all of a sudden now I was off limits. And oh, I was, wild. which was really fascinating. This is when I was like, huh, there's a thing. There's some more things here. And so this is when I started to lean into, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going <laughs> to drop into like, what are all the things? What are all the things that people see as married people and what it means as me as a woman being married and what how do other women interact with me and how mm -hmm. to society interact with me differently and so I came out 
of the oh closet. My God. <laughs> and I was like, I, I put a p- post on Facebook and I'm like, yeah. you know, uh, me and so-and-so are getting married. We're engaged. And I had like 700 people excited and encouraging and like, wow, rooting on for me. He put it on his post on his page. He got like five people. And he has, he has people who interact with him all the time, but it wasn't important. Him getting married huh. wasn't a big deal. Me getting married was like the biggest accomplishment I had finally achieved as a woman <laughs> because some man picked me to oh, choose fuck. to be, uh, I'm, I'm important enough because some man picked me. And so this is where it leads back to colonization and slavery of women and the oppression of women and where the origins of marriage come from is this piece around as a woman my there's two things I need to accomplish in sort of in order to be valued as a woman get married and have babies right yep and so now I've accomplished some incredible things just in this year alone. Like incredible. <laughs> like, like I I, you know, in the last couple of years, I trained to be a, a do an open swim marathon that I accomplished. Holy crap. I quit smoking. I've wow. recalibrated my digestion track, like some really like hardcore, like investing energy and time and health. I didn't get that many excitement po- posts comments on yeah. those posts wow, I maybe got a quarter yeah. of that and so that's where that's where the the data set comes from of realization that there's this something is, going on here there's yeah. something going on here because me saying I got engaged got way more excitement and from people who know me really well it's not like like this is the thing is that there's people who know me really well of how I move in the world mm-hmm. and that Married, it's like if I'm getting married, there's a reason, logistical reason why this is happening. <laughs> it is not right. from a, a romanticized love place. That's not that's not, that's not how I move in the world. Yeah. And yet, the the high pitched squealing that has happened, <laughs> like from people who know me really well, they're like, oh my god, and they're like their voice <laughs> octave like goes up like five octaves, and they're like squealing and they're jumping up and down and they're like so excited for me like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me this is wild like because it's it is it's beyond um you know say you were like a straight woman who you know wore yoga pants and you know did the whole the the thing followed the script right say you were a totally norm core woman in her mid to late 20s um this type of reaction would be I mean maybe still a little gross to me but like expected but you are like a full-on counterculture warrior person who has like you said lived your life to break rules and to go against this script and so it's wild that, like you said, people who know you and understand the way that you operate still have that same response to it. Like, 
and that's why that's why I started calling it the cult. It's a cult. Mm -hmm. It's a cult because people don't know why they're doing it. They don't understand why it doesn't even make sense that you would be excited for me in this squealing, bouncy thing that's happening right now because it's not the reason why I'm doing it. But even with, and I've even said the words, like this is how deeply it's rooted in the scripting that I've said, listen, I'm getting married for, to gain marriage privilege for the legal ramifications of that. Mm -hmm. And still, oh my God, I'm so excited for you. You guys are gonna be so happy. Like, in the next breath, after I just said, this is not about this blissful thing. We're not celebrating my relationship. That's a different, that's a completely different conversation. Right. Well, the weird thing about that too is like, if somebody says you're going to be so happy, the implication is that you're not happy yet. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, cause how could you be happy if you're not married? <laughs> but, the boat, but the piece underneath that, so... I think the piece, and we can get into this a little bit later of like where all of these pieces come from, mm -hmm. but the next phase, so I want to talk about the, the, the next weird yes, yes, yes. thing. Stage, that stage B. Yeah. The next stage is, so I've put out my, I have announced I'm engaged. There's all the weirdness about being engaged. Um, and then people start obsessing in particular women start obsessing about my wedding. So now it's like, I have to be happy about getting married and getting, I must be so excited about the wedding day. And what am I going to do on the wedding day? And what am I wearing on the wedding day? And what if I dressed, have I decided? And what is my hair happening and all this stuff? And I'm like, so people are like, you must be so excited. And I, and I would say, this is what I would say. No, <laughs> I'm not excited. <laughs> I'm kind of annoyed that I have to go through, jump through all these hoops in the first place. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to city hall to sign the paperwork. <laughs> Do people be get deflated by this? Does their excitement? They, they get angry. They get angry. Oh. They're like, you must be excited. You have to be excited, but you got to find something exciting about this. Like, the, like you're starting your life, like you're starting your life with this person and you're not excited about this and why, and there's got to be, and I'm like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I don't even have people coming to the wedding right? because is we're going to city hall. And I said, and at some point, so this is the only way I could get, this is conversations with people who know me. This is conversations with my nail tech. This is conversations <laughs> with strangers. I'm like, the only way I could get them to stop hounding me is to say, once the pandemic's over, I'm going to have another celebration to celebrate my relationship at the nudist resort. <laughs> I'm going to have a naked wedding. Right. So there. <laughs> so there you go. And then they would shut up. But if they didn't say that, they wouldn't. They would keep at me, keep at me, keep at me. Like there was no possibility of me not being excited. I couldn't have any feelings other than excitement. And they were going to make that excitement happen. Or I wasn't getting to end the conversation or leave. That's wild. Like. Why? <laughs> why? I, I know why. Tell me. Tell me. 
So this is my theory, right? I got still, I'm still, I'm still gathering data. Like this is, <laughs> I got married in February. So like, you know, we're still, we're still gathering data, but my, I suspect what it is, is that as women, let's go back in time where <laughs> as women, we only had three options. We were a prostitute. Mm-hmm. We got married Mm-hmm. or we joined some religious convent of some sort. Right. Yeah. It's specifically European history. European yeah. history. Right. right. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, um, so those were your three options for mm-hmm. women to have any kind of survival to survive. Right. Yes. You could, Agreed. You, you, you couldn't be single. Yeah you got lynched or killed or witch burning, depending on what era and depending on what part of history we're talking about, you being a single woman that owned property was not acceptable. Yeah, it's hardly even possible. Yes. Um, So you had those three options, marriage, prostitution, or join religion. Right, so you either make yourself um, give yourself some dignity by either becoming a nun or getting married or throw the dignity part out completely so that nobody will want to marry you. Yes, but you right. still... And if you become a nun, you still get to get married to Jesus. Yes, you still so. get to get married to God. Yeah. <laughs> so two-thirds marriage, one-third making yourself unmarriable. Okay. Un- exactly. Uh, unmarriable... But still, you're still trying, they're still trying to marry you off. Like you still, there's still the hope that somebody will marry you yet. Right. We'll come along and save you from your life. We'll come along and save you from your life of, but you still have to use your vagina Mm -hmm. in order to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And in all three of these situations, you must be saved by someone. Yes. You know, either it's the church slash Jesus or it's your husband or someone who will come and, you know, take you out of this life of misery that you're clearly living if you're a prostitute. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. So marriage is just back then and for many hundreds of years and for some people today is still a form of slavery because you are not your own individual person. Even things like, let's take the rituals of marriage. So your father walks you down the aisle to pass on that you're no longer his problem to pass (laughs) on to his, the husband that now you take her. I thought you were going to say property. And then you said problem. (laughs) It was even better. (laughs) Yeah. And now you pay for her. So there's still the dowry was part of it, how many chickens you got, like all those things. So again, she is not uh, an active participant. She has Mm -hmm. no choice. And her value as a woman is how well she marries depends on what status the family, what you're bringing to the family. Mm -hmm. So if, that's it. Like that's her value. That's why she's not allowed to be sexual. That's why she needs to be a virgin. That's why she needs to, you got to get a good price for her. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like taking a cow to the market. It's taking a cow to the market. That's all it was now. So let's fast forward. What better way to control women than to force them into the slavery of marriage, but to get them on board. And the best way to get them on board is to give them one day of their lives where they get to be in charge. They get to control the narrative. They get to have this dream day. Yeah. So by giving women the wedding day, they basically what happened is got women on board with getting married because you get this one magical day of your life. Right. Right. And oh, my God. So much of our culture of of women's culture in the westernized world is so based on the wedding day like Lenny and I had uh, an episode a little while ago where we talked about gender roles in Disney films Mm -hmm. and one of the things that we kept coming back to was how like how frustrating it is and it was for me as a child to see like the entire movie where we get to know and love this character and she's like this feisty you know plucky woman And the whole movie culminates with her getting married and then it ends. Yes. And I I was always like, well, but then what? Like they lived happily ever after. doesn't really feel like much of an ending to me. Like, what does she do next? But it doesn't matter because the wedding is the culmination, like the peak of her life. That's it. And that just, it's so sad. That's, that's, that's exactly it. And uh, it's the, best brainwashing that there is because (sighs) women are struggling to get to the peak of their life which is the wedding day Um, and then after that it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter what her life is like it doesn't really that's why we don't see movies about it it's not not important it's not important what her day-to-day life looks like it's not important how they co-parent with each other it's not important how they manage the bills it's not important her opinion (laughs) and her life is now irrelevant yeah, except it, obviously when she bears children, then she becomes the mom. And then her main role in life is to be the mom, which is what we see depicted everywhere all the time. Like that once you're above a certain age, which seems to keep like creeping younger and younger, by the way, in pop culture, like once you pass that age, you're now a mom. Like if you are, I have a few friends who are actors, you know, and basically once they passed 30 years old, no matter how young they appeared, they were getting mom roles only. Um, And the same goes for people I know in the porn industry. Like, depending on your looks and whether you've decided on getting implants, um, once you pass a certain threshold, you are now a MILF. Whether you've ever had a child or not, you are now forever a MILF. Yeah. Um, And again, that that age keeps creeping downward (laughs) from everything I hear. And that brings us to the next stage of the consummation of the marriage. Oh, wait, this is still a thing? It is. You would be surprised how many texts I got from people saying, have you consummated the marriage yet? Have you gotten, how's married sex? Have you consummated the marriage yet? Have you consummated wait, like, the marriage yet? But people, do they, who do they know you? Like, <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. That is, that's really weird. Like, 
I mean, do you get people just randomly texting you like on a Saturday? Like, hey, did you have sex last night? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> no, but everybody wants to know whether or not I, had, I consummated my marriage. That is weird. So then That's let's go weird. back in history and time. Uh-huh. Right. Of why it's so why it's still prevalent here now, because we don't understand why we why we care. Why does anybody care? Whether or not I have sex with the man who I've had sex a thousand times before yeah. this day happened, right? Right. And that's pretty common knowledge. It's not that's like you right. two are pretending like you never got it on. <laughs> no, there's podcasts talking all about it. <laughs> right? So it's because once the wedding happens... And the women have bought into the, their magical day. You have to get knocked up as fast as possible before she can change your mind. Right. So the wedding night was all about after the wedding, then there was all of this stuff about consummation. Yeah. So you would, so there people would watch depending if it was how, how high up in royalty you were, yeah. there would be a whole audience making sure that you actually consummated the marriage so right. that it was so that the air if the air happens that it was the actual there was no hanky panky going on so that's she, right I forgot about that yeah I think so, I think I've seen like I, well god I was in high school so take this with a grain of salt but we went to Europe for like a school trip and we went to the palace at Versailles and there were there was like the public bedroom for the king and his wife and then their private separate bedrooms and the public bedroom had like like a viewing area mm-hmm. like there were chairs set up yeah fucking i forgot all about that oh my god <laughs> weird okay yeah okay. because again it's that piece around property and ownership and value right and the value of a woman was to give an heir yeah she's a breeder that's it that's 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 the only purpose and she got to have the wedding so what more do you want you got to have your special day that that's all you get and now you need to pop out babies and if you don't pop out babies then you can be replaced or murdered or you know uh all these things Mm -hmm. and it was totally acceptable to have affairs and all those things except for her she Mm -hmm. could never that would that would land her dead yeah yeah and i like my kind of understanding of especially european like royalty and nobility um is that like you're as a woman before you were married your body was constantly under surveillance to make sure that nothing happened that nobody touched you so that your purity could be ensured for your wedding night yes and then basically between the wedding night and the time that you produced an heir for your husband which is by the way, purely a mechanism of keeping the power and wealth of that husband within his own bloodline. It had nothing to do with who you were. Although if you were of high quality breeding stock, that was better, obviously. Um, But like up until you had produced the heir and the heir had either taken up the power of the family or had reached an age where it was like reasonable that this person would survive to be able to do that. 
your body was still under constant surveillance because if something went wrong, you needed to be able to produce another heir, you know, toot sweet. Yes. And I feel like the only women in those positions that really got to have any degree of freedom were women who had either already produced an heir that had made it to adulthood and could take over or women who were like widowed, basically. Yeah. But then you would be married off again. So the family, the, the family would marry you off again as a widow to try to get more because you you try to gain more power or get something like you weren't allowed to be a widow and independent like you were allowed a certain amount of grieving period and then you were your family married you off again so that you could here you go you can bring more wealth to the family right that is that is true I'm thinking of a few examples now yeah of that happening so it was like I think basically if you were widowed and postmenopausal you could do what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you're like, no one wants to have sex. If, if you didn't want right. to have sex, you couldn't have sex anymore and you couldn't produce an heir and, you know, uh, your husband has died, then you might be able to, and you didn't have any wealth because if you had wealth, you would be married off so that somebody would want that wealth because it couldn't right. be in your female name. Yeah. Yeah, with very few exceptions, you know, every now and then I like hear about some awesome woman who like totally broke all those rules. And the reason that we still know about them is because they were so weird at the time. Yeah. But okay, so all of this coming back to the consummation of the marriage, like, I understand that that's very much a thing historically that people were really concerned about, but it is very weird to me that people are still concerned about it because who gives a shit anymore? I mean, are there still like laws on the books where like, if you can't prove that you've consummated the marriage, he can divorce you without having to go through legal stuff or? Um, well, there is uh, with the church, you can get annulment. Oh, right. Okay. So, it, so basically if the marriage isn't consummated, you can go to the Pope, ask for an annulment. And then it's like, it, the marriage never happened. Huh. Huh. Even if you spent all of the money that you had in this world on your perfect wedding. Yeah, exactly. You could <laughs> Too bad it didn't it. happen. Too bad it didn't happen. It's annulled in the, in the eyes of God in, you know, the church, Catholic church. Anyways. So, yeah. So then who are these people who want to know if you consummated your marriage? Who gives a shit? <laughs> None of them are Catholic. <laughs> but I that's- mean- that's the piece, though, is that, and because of all this pressure, before all of this pressure and performance about consummating the marriage, I didn't have sex for two whole weeks. <laughs> she like, says at the end of a, a quarantine pandemic, and some people are like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry for everybody who hasn't had sex in a really long time because you didn't have a partner that at the time. I feel for you. I'm sorry. But I got married and I didn't have sex for two whole weeks. And I just out of, I couldn't, I couldn't. I, my body refused. Like I broke out in a yeast infection. I was oh, like, yeah. my body was like, no, we nope. are not consummating no marriage. Nope. It's not nope. happening. No, I'm not you having made anybody. It weird. You made it weird. It's not <laughs> sexy. It's not kinky. It's not fun. Uh, no, 
this feels obligatory and uh, I'm not producing an air. So <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Your body just wasn't into it. No. <laughs> Did you have to coax yourself eventually? Like, well, yeah, I, I told I told my husband that if he ever wanted to have sex with me again, to never mention consummation of the marriage. <laughs> he was smart. He never mentioned it again. <laughs> <laughs> so these are so these are some of the things, and then there's some other interesting things, data collecting that I've done that's been fascinating um, as well. That all of a sudden my uh, people are hiring me more, my uh, following has increased, um, more women uh, trust me because now I'm no longer a threat because I'm off the market as far as they're concerned. Um, mm -hmm. This perceived idea is that um, I'm now trustworthy, more trustworthy. Um, mm. it, it, it's, it's, it's incredible, fascinating. And, you know, we could have a, probably a conversation a year from now, and then I'm sure there'll be, I'll have collected more data and we can show <laughs> up and have a conversation about all the other weird things that people are doing <laughs> because they have no idea what, why they're doing it. Like they're doing, that's what makes it a cult, right? When we don't know why we are doing the things we're doing, behaving, saying, acting, it's because we've been brainwashed and right. been brainwashed yeah. on, on an epic proportion from a societal standpoint in, in North America anyways. Like I can, yeah. only talk, I can only talk from a North American perspective, um, but that's the case. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, a, it's completely indoctrination and it goes, it starts so young, you know, like I'm just thinking about um, like the ways that that we are still like as women, you know, people who grew up female know that even if you grow up with like the coolest parents, you know, or like counterculture household or, you know, subversive friend groups or whatever, you are still being constantly messaged that your inherent value lies with how attractive you are to men specifically. Like your toys are makeup and dressing up and dolls that look pretty and baby dolls that you get to mother and household skills you know like um, I go for a walk almost every day through the town that I live in and along the way there's a, a house that has some kids toys out front and the one kids toy that is always set up in the same place is the little like play school kitchen set yeah yeah you know that you know a little girl has that because little boys don't play with that and all of all of these things about growing up and then with the Disney films like geez oh. <laughs> it's all geared toward either attracting a man by looking pretty or showing off your domesticity and you know what a great wifey you would make or what a great mommy you would make and that is although there's there's always getting to be more and more messaging to young girls that they are worth more than that, that there are other options, the prevalent messaging is still so focused on marketing yourself as potential wife material. Yes. And, and here's something that I've always found really fascinating. 
I remember going into my dentist's office years ago and having a full on argument with the dental receptionist because around marital status, I'm like, why do you need to know my marital status? Well, my marital status for my teeth, well, my teeth change (laughs) if I'm married. Married people have different teeth than single people. Like, why do you need to know my marital status? And this was when I remember the first time that I realized that marital status is a check mark on everything you fill out. Good point. Yeah. What's your marital status? What's your marital status? Every document, what's your marital status? Every appointment, what's your marital status? And yet those have no bearing. A lot of those documents have no bearing, doesn't change your interaction. Right, good point. So that just tells you how important and how ingrained it is on a societal level that marriage is valued over single. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I just, I don't get a whole lot of ads online for stuff that I don't like anymore. I've pretty much trained them to like, not, I, my entire like mid 20s to mid 30s was spent trying to train Facebook that I don't give a shit about engagement ring advertisements or wedding planning advertisements. Please stop trying to sell these things to me. And I feel like it finally, once I hit 35, they were like, oh, we give up. She's an old maid. <laughs> whatever spinster nobody cares about you you know um but like it it is it's 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 so um so important to your identity mm-hmm. you know this decision although it, it has no bearing on anything except people who are trying to sell you wedding rings and you know flower bouquets or whatever things they try to sell you when they want you to get married <laughs> yeah. oh wait no now now they've stopped selling marital stuff to me so much now it's like uh children's car seats mm, you know because yes. I'm now I should back, have young children, yeah, children by now now yes yes yeah and actually that's a good question for you have you started getting people pressuring you about when you're going to start having babies yet no but I feel like I've done that been there done that because of my age so mm-hmm. I'm like 46 and um I had my tubes tied when I was 23. Wow. Congratulations. That's hard to do when you're that young. I I fought really hard, very hard around. I was like badass around that. And we can have another conversation all about (laughs) the weirdness about that. Um, (laughs) But, and the cult of being a mom and and a baby breeder and all of those things. So I've spent a lot of time having very super bizarre, random conversations with people who are very angry at me for choosing not to have babies. Wow. Um, Complete strangers, like yelling at me. Like, how dare you? How dare you choose to not have children when there's so many people who can't have children and you chose not to? What? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, it's not that I've never heard people say things like that, but it still, every time confuses me so much. It's like, like the, the debate that is constantly going on in the States about uh, student loan debts, 
right? And because like there's a whole lot of people that want uh, student loan debt to be canceled because it's you know effectively crippling generations of people in America. And the one thing that I like always have to hear some older person say in those conversations is, well, I had to pay off my student loans, so you should have to too. And it's like, that doesn't, as far as like logic goes, that is not an argument. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's the same thing with having kids. Like, so there well, are a lot think... of people who can't, so I have to? That doesn't follow, sorry. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't follow, but it's about, it's again, putting your nose up at the value of a woman. Like I chose to not have a baby, then what's the point of your existence? Hmm. right your your existence is here to have a baby and of course be married to have a baby like like, like that's that that's important part of that that sequence of events and so this is what I've this is what I've taken away from like deep like deeply I knew that it existed but until I decided to get married and do this experiment and be vocal about this experiment because I find it fascinating I find it fascinating on all of these like brainwashed people that I know really love and adore me but yet they can't help themselves in doing these things because of this programming and I'm always so fascinated on why people do what they do that this is like, this is part of this great experiment and that we can then have conversations like even this conversation is opening up the possibility for the audience who are listening to be like, did I squeal when my friend (laughs) told me that they got engaged? Yeah. Did I assume that they got engaged because it was this big Hollywood romantic, like I found the one and my soulmate is completing me. Is like that why I'm so happy for them? Am I happy for them because I'm supposed to be happy for them? Mm -hmm. Like what is the reasons that you are behaving the way you are about somebody else's life? Because it's really none of your business. Like we're so invested in other people's choices really ridiculous at the end of the day like yeah who I choose to spend time with not spend time with whether I what I choose to do with my body not do with my body like all those things is really makes no effect has no effect on anybody else's life and yet there's so much um what's the word I'm looking at there's so much dedication to having these systems in place and and that that person is behaving in a certain way and and the anger and the frustration and the uncomfortableness within yourself if somebody isn't following that rule whether we're talking about marriage or anything is really an indicator that's an opportunity for us to look at why is this so important to me and where did this brainwashing come from because it if you weren't brainwashed you wouldn't actually be responding this way. Yeah, I'm, I am totally 100% certain that there has been at least one instance in my life where someone I know told me that she got engaged and I did the squeal thing. Even though like for me, that's not something that's ever been important to me. Like whether I ever get married or not, I've, it's just not, I haven't seen it personally as the pinnacle of my life, so I haven't oriented my life in that direction, but I still understand the script 
that I'm supposed to follow, which is when a woman tells you that she's gotten engaged, you are supposed to do the high-pitched squealing and then grab her hands, do a little like like fast foot motion dance thing, yep. hug her, and then ask to see the ring. That's what you're supposed to do. I've seen it done a million times, and yep. I am certain that I have done it with someone, although I like not actually recalling any specific instances, but like I just know that I did it because it's what you do. Yeah. It's the script. Yeah. And it's been the script for a long time. Although it's interesting, like, I don't have a whole lot of research in front of me, but I have been kind of randomly doing a bunch of historical diving recently um, for various reasons. And I did learn not so long ago that a lot of the customs that we have in America and Canada, specifically for weddings, came directly from... um, the marriage of Queen Victoria to Mm. Prince Albert. Um, And that was in like 1860s, 70s, somewhere around there, I think. They had a very long marriage, so I can't remember where it started. But um, before that time, weddings were like, you know, the more high status you were, the bigger a party you had for the wedding. But weddings, kind of generally speaking, were not as much of a glamorous affair as they are now um it would uh, for most most people who weren't super high class like upper nobility people it would be like a relatively modest affair you'd wear a nice dress maybe you'd have a new dress made for it if you could afford it but it was you know pretty much a legal thing you'd get your families together you'd have a nice dinner you'd consummate the marriage that was kind of it but the wedding of queen victoria was such a huge public event And she did a bunch of new things, including wearing a white wedding dress, which suddenly became all the rage and has been all the rage ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, Carrying a bouquet of flowers and having like themed flower arrangements around the whole proceedings. That had not been done before. Um, I think that people used to carry flowers primarily so that if they stank, you wouldn't smell them. (laughs) And now it's like, for a wedding, you must have giant bouquets. They all must match. They all must match what's on the table afterward and at the reception. Like, that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even having a cake instead of just a feast with whatever you want to eat became a thing at Victoria and Albert's wedding. And I found all of that really interesting because it was my understanding that all of those things went back way farther, like medieval times, you know, but they're actually relatively recent. Uh Um, But they're now, I think the reason that I thought that they went back so much farther is because they are so completely a part of the script. Like you cannot have a wedding without these things anymore. And so it just seems like, well, something that is that programmed into our understanding of a wedding must be like ancient. And it's totally not. It's like 150, 60 years old before that people kind of did what they wanted. And just because Queen Victoria did it, now we all have to do it forever and ever. Amen. And it's so weird to me. It's totally arbitrary. It's made up. Well, it is. But I think that there's certain things that those rituals could you could date those rituals back even further 
but specifically all at the same time, probably not. So like some mm -hmm. of the, so like, for example, the white dress would represent purity. There's right. many different wedding rituals throughout the world around white representing purity and the whole thing about being pure before you consummate mm -hmm. your marriage like that, that would have been you I'm sure you could find reference somewhere historically, um, of other places around that, um, you know, flowers, well, a lot of pagan ceremonies around hand fasting and like, you know, celebrations, uh, any kind of celebrations, there were flowers, flowers no, in the right. hair, flowers, fertility, flowers, right, fertility, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. So the flower piece would have been a part of any celebration, whether they matched. I don't think that was an important part. But <laughs> the fact that there would definitely have been flowers at a, at, at a, you know, at a ceremony, and probably the cake piece. I'm sure you could probably find some other like pagan rituals where there was a feeding of your partner. Right. Um, oh, you know, for sure. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Right. So I think probably those, those specific things probably weren't put together, but culturally and throughout time, they would have showed up in different rituals that would have just made it so that it, it would be an accumulation of those things. And maybe huh. even might've even been because of going to other, you know, royalty would be have diplomats from all over the world so oh. there might be some you know cultural stuff that was picked up by dignitaries or going to other weddings at other people's places being like hey I really like that ritual let's add that to ours yeah that's a really good point I hadn't thought about that at all like how you could just kind of accumulate rituals um, that are fun and you know I Again, I'm not a huge proponent of marriage unless it's something that you want to do. But I will say that a wedding is a really good time. <laughs> Most weddings and receptions, you get cake, you get booze, you get food, you get to dance. It is a good time. And so I could totally, I could totally see like being a diplomat and being like, hey, that looks like a fun thing to do at a party. I'm going to bring that back with me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Yeah. So that's really the, you know, the just, I would say, is that for all of us to really look at where are, where are our programming? Yeah. You know, there's something about um, the way that you're kind of describing people seeing you differently, like seeing you as more trustworthy or less of a threat now, um, although it has no bearing on the way that you're planning on actually living your life. Um, it kind of gives me the feeling that like, like people are maybe accepting the idea of ethical non-monogamy being an important part of your life as like a phase. Like that, you know, they're like, they're super relieved because now that you're married, they think, oh, she, she got it out of her system. So here's some funny things about that, actually. <laughs> so... I had people say to me, oh, it's about time you settled down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at them. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm planning on having an orgy on my wedding night. <laughs> COVID's clear. That's my plan. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like nothing has changed in my world. Right? <laughs> like, like, no. Right. Um, and it really, I found really fascinating because this idea that partnership. So if we, so we just talked about the rituals and the, and the brainwashing around those rituals. We didn't, we haven't talked about love and we haven't talked about that right. component of love. So even the idea of being in partnership as a settling, I find really fascinating because the reality is, is that if I chose a partner, I chose a partner who allows me to be more of who I am, not less of who I am, right? So settling would be like, my life was fabulous. And then, (laughs) oh, I got to settle now and I got to give it all (laughs) up. And now I'm going to live the rest of my life miserable. (laughs) That is, that is very much implied by the idea. Yeah. That's implied <laughs> that that's what marriage is supposed to be. So like, why would I, why would I want to get married if I had to settle? Like, why? Well, would and I, also, why, why would that? somebody be happy for you? You know, exactly. Why are you happy <laughs> that I'm going to be miserable now? <laughs> that's really fucked up when you put it like that. <laughs> I think though, like, this is me completely talking out of my ass. So I'm, I apologize in advance for anyone I'm about to offend, but like, sometimes I do think that there's, there are certain people with certain personality types for whom, like, maybe they're just like tired all the time and they do want to settle down because it sounds comfortable and, and easy, you know? And I, that's legit. If that's lit- if that is what you want out of life, like I have no judgment for that. That's great. You do you. You know, make yourself as happy as you can. Um, but I think for a lot of other people, myself included, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I want to keep doing what I want to do, and the idea of settling for something less sounds like the opposite of what I want. And so here's here's my counterpoint to that around that is that even if wanting to have partnership is an important part of your makeup, of your Mm -hmm. script, choosing the right partner that you don't give up who you are means that's the partner that you're actually going to spend the rest of your life with. If you choose monogamy and you that's the path that you're choosing, then yeah. you want to choose somebody that you're really compatible with. Yeah. And if you're compatible, it's not a settling. You're not giving right. anything up. You're completely compatible. So there is no giving anything up. Yeah. But if you're giving something up for st- for the idea of stability, it's not and I did stability in air quotes for everybody who can't (laughs) see me. Um, There is no stability in not having compatibility. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it doesn't exist. As somebody who sees couples and sees couples who are on the verge of divorce all the time, the reason that they are on the verge of divorce is because they were not compatible and they settled because that's oh. what they were told that they needed to do. So settling is basically your death sentence of a relationship. Hmm. 
That is a very, very good point and a very good way of putting it too. I mean, and you know, like getting a divorce, probably for most people, not the end of the world, happens all the time. But I think that that key piece of advice of, you know, if you are settling, if you are giving something up, that's an indication of incompatibility. Like (laughs) there's this video that has been going around the internet recently of an interviewer who is interviewing Eartha Kitt. And he says, um, says something about like settling down and compromising for a man in your life. And she just starts laughing in his face. She's like, compromise what are you talking about and he was like well you know if you met the right man don't you think that you would be willing to give up a few things to make that relationship work and she laughs and she's like no no why would I give up a part of myself for a man no I am looking for a man who loves me as much as I love myself yeah and that has really stuck with me like just her complete incredulousness that somebody would expect her to compromise for the sake of a relationship I would like goals that's how I want to (laughs) be yeah I remember when I was fighting to get my tubes tied and uh the doctors were like well what if you find your dream man and I started laughing at them and I looked at them and I'm like okay so I don't want babies So my dream man, in order for him to be my dream man, would also not want babies. Right. (laughs) And they were like, but what if you find your dream man and he wants babies? I'm like, and I'm looking at highly educated there. (laughs) This is a doctor standing in front of me (laughs) and a female doctor at that. So I got a female doctor standing in front of me arguing with me that I might change my mind because I'm going to meet a dream man. And apparently in order for them to be my dream man, they need to, I need to want to have babies. Otherwise I can't find my dream man. And I'm like, and I'm like, I got this look on my face. Like (laughs) what is happening right now? Like logically I don't want babies. My dream man doesn't want babies. So Let's take that off the equation. For I don't real. want any babies. My dream man won't want any babies. Nobody wants any babies. Good life. point. Good point. And I mean, even, even if he's like slightly sub dream man, he certainly would not want you to do something with your body that you fundamentally do not want to do. Like if somebody demands that you do something with your body that you don't want to do, that is not a good relationship. Get the fuck out. Yeah, definitely not dream material. Right. Definitely. (laughs) Nightmare material. Nightmare material, not dream material. And so, yeah, so these these ideas are deeply rooted in our systems around Mm -hmm. women's value, women's slavery, women's ownership, women's lack of uh, independence, all of these pieces. And we have glorified them we have romanticized them so that we hide the ugly truths of them and don't even realize that they're ugly truths because we've made them into this big beautiful romantic gesture that's supposed to be hidden under 
rainbows and singing birds yeah and uh unicorns and white picket fences and all of those pieces but at the end of the day real love unconditional love and finding partner or partners in your life <laughs> to have this unconditional love and acceptance means they love you unconditionally, period. Exactly who you are and exactly the way you are. And you love them unconditionally, exactly who they are and exactly the way they are. And finding that is something to celebrate. So that is worth a celebration. Yeah. That is worth celebrating like, wow, I met somebody who really gets me and I really get them. And we are going to continue to support each other's growth of being the best versions of each other. Yes. That's worth celebrating. Absolutely. Yeah. Have a big party for that. By all means, do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if people want to be excited that I met somebody and I have created a fantastic relationship that it's gone, a lot of work has gone into creating this honest, epic, epic sex, communication, ownership of who we are, pushing each other and calling each other out on when we're being asshats um, <laughs> and looking at each other's shit. If you want to celebrate that with me, I will squeal with you and even do some <laughs> bum dancing about the accomplishment of co-creating that kind of a relationship. Yeah. Fuck yeah, absolutely. And that like, I love that idea because that is the end result of a lot of fucking work that has been put in. That's the end result. Whereas yeah. like the way that we are taught to think about marriage is to celebrate the beginning yeah. of something that is going to be a lot of work if you are doing it right. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with celebrating the beginning of something, but there's no subsequent celebration built into our culture for, look, we successfully did the thing. Look how awesome that is. Like, I mean, I guess anniversaries are for that, but that's supposed to be celebrated within the couple. There's not like giant, like, we made it to 20 years, let's have a huge party celebrations. And maybe that should be a thing. Like, I would love to go to somebody's 20 year celebration of having done the work. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. And do they really like each other still after 20 years? <laughs> Yeah, it could actually, you know, it could be part celebration, part everybody like examining everything that you're doing, <laughs> sleuthing yeah. out the truth. <laughs> yeah, like that should be like, it should be like uh, on, on stage, should be like, okay, let's ask some uh, questions, you know. So how, how much do you still like each other? What's your <laughs> sex life like? Do you still have sex with each other? <laughs> right. Not the newlywed game, the like, we've been at this for a while game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, who did, did you figure out how did you co-create uh, your cohabitation? Is that how is that going? You know, how's yeah. your cohabitation going? What about child rearing? Like all the things. What about money? Like these are the things. Like, did you yep. manage them? 
Yeah. How painful was it? How painful is it still? still. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, scars. <laughs> <laughs> Mental or physical. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I want to put like, you know, a tiny bit of a disclaimer on this to say like, you know, obviously if you're someone who wants to get married and that's like a big deal for you, or if you're someone who did get married and you had an awesome, like totally, you know, normalized Western wedding, like fucking great. That's awesome. Like yep. nobody here is looking down on you for following a script if you're really into that script. Um, but you know, the main thing is like, examine the script and think about whether it's something that works for you or not before you decide that you're going to completely follow it. You know, it's uh, cause it is a script and it was written by people who are not necessarily looking out for what's best for you as an individual. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, like everything else. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I feel like, I, I feel like that was a great conversation. Yeah. As always, <laughs> you and I get I, together. We have great conversations. Yeah. And, and while we're at it, um, can you tell our listeners where they can hear other conversations that you have with me and other people and anywhere else you'd like to direct them on the internet so that they can find out more about what you do? So the best place to start is to go visit my website hub, which is the hub of my empire. <laughs> All the things that I do in the world is to go to GaiaMorissette.com and from there you can go to all the little subsections of the world all the different worlds that I navigate and dance and play in um, and then for my podcast I have two podcast I host two podcasts one's called My Orgasmic Life um, where Lindsay has been on the show quite frequently she is my porn expert so yes we have thank, you. thank you awesome conversations uh probably every three or four months uh, around something to do related to porn and mm -hmm. then i also host tickle.life's podcast with Liz Lindsay's also been on uh <laughs> talking about one of her first uh you know sexy experiences yeah but, it's a juicy one it's a very juicy topic, <laughs> uh, so I highly recommend go visiting and listening to those episodes as well, so. Yeah, yeah, we get on pretty well, um, and I would love to have you back on, like you said, like a year from now, to kind of talk about, like, the ongoing marriage experiment and where you found yourself within the cult at that point, so let's make that happen. All right, let's do it, let's <laughs> do it, and again, just like Lindsay's disclaimer, I really want to say that by no means do I have a judgment around any choice that people make for themselves. My experiment that I'm doing is because I find human behavior incredibly intriguing and fascinating, and it's a part of who I am and how I move in the world. And I'm very excited about the historical references of why we do what we do now based on what happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so that's why I really have leaned into this place around marriage. So I don't, I really want the listeners to take away that like anything, we just need to question it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is question it and yeah. then you can decide for yourself consciously 
does this work for me? And how do I want to make this work for me if it does work for me? So that we're not carrying an, we're not moving from this place of automatic movement of being on autopilot and then finding out five years, 10 years, 15 years from now that we regret and have resentment and hate our lives. And we, Mm -hmm. we didn't live our lives to the fullest because we never asked the question, do I want to do this? And if so, why, and how do I make this mine? Yes. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Like, because, you know, a lot of the things that we're discussing about, about, you know, marriage being an enslavement of women is really doesn't have to be true anymore. You know, you can get married and be in a much more egalitarian situation than you could have in, you know, like 1400 in England or whatever. And that's great, you know, by all means, if you want to marry someone and make it your own, that's a new script that you get to write. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not judging anyone here, but we are saying, you know, maybe uh, judge the script a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Look at the script and what is the narrative and why, and is that a narrative that you, that you decide it's, it's about that. I really think it's that piece around conscious decision. I consciously choose this. If I'm going to wear a white dress, it's because I look pretty in a white dress. I'm not wearing a white dress because somebody told me that I had to wear a white dress and that that's all I need to do. If, you know, question, why am I doing this? And is it my choice or is it a choice that somebody else has made for me? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the awesome things about the world we live in now is that, yeah. you know, for the most part, women do get to make choices now. Um, sometimes they're made a little bit more under duress than we would like. Uh, there's, there's a lot of gray areas there, but we certainly do have a lot more control over what we choose to do with our lives than, you know, the people we were talking about who had to be nuns or married or prostitutes. So, yeah. and. I do want to put a little disclosure, a little disclaimer on that piece too, that um, for some women around the world, we are still facing the same choices. Yes. And, and marriage is also an enslavement for some women or the mm-hmm. only option for survival. And right. so I think it's really, yes, in North America, in, you know, uh, you know, in different demographics and different social economic demographics, we have some of us have more options and more power and more choices. But there are plenty of women still all over the world, including in North America, mm-hmm. that may only have that option to survive. Right. Yeah, that's really, really important point to make. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, So, you know, so my heart goes out if that's the only option that you have in your life for survival. And um, if there's any way that I can support you in any of and in finding a new way out, if that's what you need, then please reach out. Yeah. Yeah. By all means, we're we're on the Internet. um, And and that story that is is the true story for a lot of people is so important and it's one that you know from my place of like privilege 
it's hard for me to see and understand. So um, if that is your story, please reach out. Um, it's important that it gets heard. Beautiful. Thanks for having me on the show, my dear. Thank you for coming. This is a great time. And yeah, we'll, we'll circle back around in about a year and we'll see what's going on. And whether you had that orgy um, and whether you had the giant party and the naked wedding at the nudist resort. Yeah, so if I end up have not if, when I end up having the naked wedding at the board, at the, the nudist resort, it, once COVID is done, uh, you'll be an invite. I'll give you an <laughs> Fabulous, oh my God, that sounds so amazing. Be, <laughs> so you can be there and we can maybe even do some live streaming of live, like uh, on, on-site podcast. <laughs> we could live stream feeding each other cake nude it'll be fantastic <laughs> but they won't let us put it on youtube or facebook so <laughs> be a pay well, no, not, not, not necessarily <laughs> if we put cake over our boobs <laughs> so there's no yeah. nipple shots right it's only the nipple that matters so it's only the yeah. nipple so we, we cover the nipples with cake <laughs> this is a perfect plan <laughs> and we can totally air it <laughs> awesome All right. It's on the books. Just tell me the date when you've got it. I'll put it in the planner. Excellent. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you all for listening and uh, we'll be back. I'll be back with Lenny when she's done doing her hot girl shit in a few weeks to talk about something amazing again. Thanks for listening. Let our love be a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Ugh. It's here that I must be. My heart entreats. Just hear those savage beats. And go put on your cleats. And come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany. That's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire. Which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. And I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash that you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling if you smell something burning it's my heart.
Excuse me. Take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. Kiss some tango.